I'm the Failing Youth Pastor, and welcome to the Failing Youth Pastor Podcast. On this episode of the Failing Youth Pastor Podcast, we're going to be talking about dealing with disappointments in ministry, and then we're going to be taking some listener questions of the day. I hope that it's encouraging, hope that this episode is beneficial, so let's just jump right into it. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of the Failing Youth Pastor podcast. I am your host, the Failing Youth Pastor, and um, thank you to those of you who have been sending some positive feedback, and it's been so encouraging to do this podcast, and we're just getting started, and and to just hear some of the, the positive feedback from the episodes, it really it's encouraging. It makes it really worthwhile, even just having one or or two uh, people comment saying, hey, this really helped me, or I'm going to pass this along to, to other people. It really, really does uh, make doing this worthwhile. So thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for putting up with uh, the sermon that I that I posted on Monday. Um, you know, it was it was one of those things where ministry called, I had to answer the call and uh and so there you go but i wanted to give you something so i figured i'd give you a sermon uh instead of a regular episode but i'm here i'm able to record and it's it should be a good episode it should be a good episode or is it just going to be mediocre i don't know you're going to have to be the judge of that so <laughs> let's just jump in to the topic the main topic of today's episode and that is dealing with disappointments in ministry i as a failing youth pastor have experienced a multitude of disappointments but one of the things that i had to learn and one of the things that i had to get over was that disappointments and failures are not the same thing. Those two things are actually quite different. I remember entering, when, when I first entered the ministry way back in, in the day, maybe uh, 2000, 2007, I think, 2007, I started youth ministry. And I remember I would see every student and I would see immense potential in them. I would see what their lives could look like and the way that God could use them if God got a hold of their hearts. The problem is that a lot of times that doesn't happen. There's going to be kids that walk through your ministry and go out the other side and their hearts aren't changed. They're they're going to walk away not following Jesus. And that isn't your fault. And that's a disappointment, but that's not necessarily a failure. See, it's your fault if they walk away from Jesus misinformed about who Jesus is and what he taught and what he did. It's your fault if they walk away not knowing the gospel message. But it isn't your fault, and it's not a failure of yours, if you teach biblical truth and they reject it. Is it disappointing? Of course, of course, that's disappointing. That's disappointing. Every time 
I see a former student or hear of a former student who isn't following Jesus, it's, it, it's extremely disappointing. But is, is it a failure on your part when students who have gone through your ministry walk away? No, not if you've been uh, teaching faithfully, not if you've been proclaiming Jesus crucified and, and, and risen again for, for their sins, then no, that's not your fault. That's not, that's not a failure on your part. And so we can't mix those two things up. We can't mix up disappointment and, and failure because when we do, that oftentimes can become the straw that breaks our ministry's back. That can be the, the last weight that we just can't hold. So don't mix up disappointment and failure because they're not the same. The second thing that I would encourage is to actually deal with your disappointments. One of the biggest mistakes I ever made in ministry was not dealing with my disappointments. When I was doing ministry in a, in a larger church setting, I started to get a little disillusioned with the direction that the church as a whole was, was going. The focus seemed, on, from my perspective, to shift from equipping and, and growing the faith of, of students to programs and big events. And that shift, that perceived shift, really wore on me big time. And it started to affect my passion for ministry, and it started to strain relationships with other staff that were at the church. And because I didn't deal with that disappointment, I ended up getting pulled aside by two elders that were on my youth council, and they asked me a simple question, what is going on? What is, what is happening? And it was probably, it was the lowest point of my ministry career. That meeting was the low of the, of the low for me. They could tell something was wrong in, inside because it showed in my performance. It, it, it showed in my lack of, uh, of passion for the ministry. It showed in my lack of preparedness in, in certain aspects of, of the ministry. And though that, that conversation, that meeting felt like daggers going through my heart, I learned immensely from that experience. And the lesson that I learned was that if you don't deal with your disappointments, they are going to eat you up on the inside, and that will eventually show on the outside. But I think this leads us to a, a question, and really kind of the, the main point of the, the podcast, where do I go with my disappointments? Where do I take my disappointments? Where do I take that, that feeling of loneliness, that, that feeling of failure? Where do I go when I have disappointments? And I think the first place we have to go is God. That's place number one. And that might seem obvious, but oftentimes I think we fall into a spirit of complaining and gossip rather than actually dealing with what's going on. And so I think God should be the first place, the first person we go to when we deal with our disappointments. The Psalms are such a, a sweet place 
to to just kind of meditate and to 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 kind of just dive into when you're dealing with disappointments or when you're going through hard times. And I love Psalm 13. It's a short psalm. It's six verses. And this is a psalm from David. And he is brutally honest in this psalm. Let's read it together. Psalm 13, starting in the first verse. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. I love this psalm because David has serious, serious things going on inside of him, right? He is he is struggling. There is strife. There is disappointment here. There's pain here. And he goes to the Lord with his actual thoughts. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? That is deep. That that is is just that's amazing honesty uh, found in the pages of Scripture here. But then he goes to verse five. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. The great thing about going to God is that he's a great listener, but he also has the answers we need. He also has what you need when you're dealing with disappointment. And so go to God first. And after you've spent time in the words, spent time in, in prayer, I think it's important to also remember to preach hope to yourself. Now, this seems really weird and strange, and I, I get that. Like when I say that, it sounds a little crazy. But again, in, in Psalm chapter 42, verse 11, there's something really, really interesting going on here at the end of this psalm. Here's what it says. This is Psalm 42, verse 11. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Through every disappointment that you could possibly have, through every mess up, through every, uh, every time a student walks away from the faith or every time that you overlook something and you feel like you've messed up, it's important to understand where your hope is. And so we need to preach to ourselves that same hope. The hope that we share with other people is the same hope that we have to share with ourselves Ministry can be a very, very lonely experience. It can be very lonely being a pastor of any kind. And so it's important to learn 
how to speak those truths to yourself, the, the truths found in scripture, how to speak and preach those things to your own soul, to your own self. I think we need to get better at that. We need to uh, get better at preaching hope to ourselves. And then the third thing here, where to go with your disappointments, find wise counsel. Proverbs 12, 15 says this, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Who do you have that can hold you accountable? Who do you have that you know they're going to have your back, but they're also going to keep you accountable in your ministry? Those are the people that you need to take your disappointments to. Those people who you know are trustworthy. Those people who you know uh, have wise advice for you. You need to bring it to those people. Don't bottle it up. Don't keep it inside. Go to them with it. And it's important to actually listen to listen to what they have to say. Fools try to go it alone. Fools try to just white knuckle it and, and go through the disappointment and, and, and hope that they come out the other side breathing. But wise people seek counsel. Proverbs 15, 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And I want to encourage you, if you are a youth pastor, youth director listening to this, do you have some sort of youth council, a youth board, whatever you want to call it? And it could be some elders from the church that are that are to oversee the youth ministry. Maybe it's some of the leaders that you have as well. It could have some parents on it. Who do you have that you can go to for, for some backup to bring big uh, questions to. When you do a change in your ministry, you are setting yourself up for huge disappointments because it's not going to be exactly how it was in the past. But if you have people that you're running this stuff by, the disappointments become less harsh because you're you're sharing this the responsibility is not just on you it's also on these other advisors that you have that are wise and you sought their counsel and they have your back you have to have people on your counsel on your team on your board who can be um, sounding boards for you not just yes yes men, not just rubber stamp every idea that you have, but will actually give you some feedback, will give you some pushback on some things. But these are people that are going to have your back. These are people that are going to give you honest counsel and, and they're going to be able to give you a feel for what parents are thinking, what leaders are thinking, what the elders are thinking, and they're going to have your back. So if you don't have a youth council, a youth board, whatever you want to call it, make sure you get one. Because it will help with dealing with disappointments. It will help in being able to have some accountability in your ministry and also uh, to be able to kind of avoid some of those disappointments in ministry that oftentimes, especially young pastors, fall into. But I want to leave you on this note, and, it, and it's a note of, of hope. Disappointments create growth. Don't let a disappointment go wasted in ministry. Let it be an opportunity for reflection 
and not self-flagellation. Disappointments often give us an opportunity to look back and analyze what went wrong. How could we have reacted better? How can I make changes in the future to handle similar situations that pop up? All of those questions make you a better leader, but once you have asked those questions and once you have sought out the answers and once you have implemented those answers, you have to move on. Perpetually looking back at your disappointments will keep you from seeing potential opportunities that are in front of you. And maybe the disappointment that you just went through will give you the tools, will equip you to handle a new opportunity that's coming your way. And so learn from your disappointments. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from when things went bad. Don't dwell on them. Learn from them. Don't let a perfectly good disappointment go to waste. So now that I've disappointed all of you with my commentary on disappoint <laughs> disappointments in ministry, it is time for the listener question of the day. Our first question of the day comes from Josh Waters on Twitter at Preacher Waters. And his question is this, as a youth pastor, how do you handle difficult topics to such a wide age group, 11 to 18 year olds? And this is a great question. There's a lot of different ways to structure youth ministry. However, there are certain difficult topics, deeper topics, topics touching on sexuality, um, maybe some deeper theological stuff that you would want your older students to learn about and really sink their teeth into that maybe wouldn't be appropriate or wouldn't, you know, where younger kids wouldn't be ready for it. I'm assuming you do combined youth ministry, junior high, senior high, they're all together. If you have a good group of leaders, you could do a, a four-week series for junior high using Right Now Media. There's a lot of great teaching material on there, and if you don't have a leader who's gifted at teaching, split them off, have them go through Right Now Media, give them some small group questions, and there you go. And allow some, some time and space as senior hires to deal with some of those deeper topics that normally... Um, younger kids just aren't ready for and especially parents they're not ready for their kids to engage with some of that stuff split them off for like four weeks or however long you'd want to do that that series for and then go back to your regularly scheduled programming so that's listener question of the day number one thanks for the question the second question comes from at troy boy fb67 Dusty Coward, how many 7th grade boys would it take to silence a room of 7th grade boys if 7th grade boys could be silenced? If, if, if you have zero 7th grade boys, there's still noise being made from 7th grade boys. Don't ask me how it works, it just works. So I love the question, but I have no idea how to answer it, but I thought I just, I had to. I had to at least throw it on the podcast. So there you go. That's my answer. I have no idea. I don't know how you silence any seventh grade boy outside of maybe choking them. But you shouldn't choke your students. Don't do that. That's not that's not good, right? That yeah, that could create some disappointments in your youth ministry. 
Hey, look, you made it to the end of the episode. If you'd like to send your feedback, you can reach me on Twitter at failingyouthptr or through email failingyouthpastor at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and hope to catch you on the next episode.